Whoa, is it the final hour already? Are we almost done? How about that? You're almost on vacation. <laughs> right. <laughs> vacation from my vacation. No, uh, so it's it's a tough travel schedule in our time slot, to be honest, because we we fly out tomorrow at like 9. I, I, I don't. We're supposed to fly at like 10, but we've got to go through screening at 9 a.m. tomorrow. So I'm out for tomorrow's show. And then we'll be live in Orlando on Thursday. Don't worry. Josh is here on Wednesday. He's got you covered. Show does, show's actually better. Thursday, um, I'll be in Orlando. And I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not one of those people that uh, gets too caught up in, hey, when are we leaving? What's going on? How are we going to get to the stadium? So I, I assume that will just be from my hotel room. <laughs> but then again, you know, that's a – 4.30 Central Time kick, so we're on the air with a 2.30 pregame show. I don't know. Maybe we might already be over at the stadium, Josh, for the, the pregame show on Thursday. How about that? Ooh, I, like, I like the sound of that. Very fun. Now, I don't want to get too carried away here. I want to start getting over my skis, but we'll be live from Orlando at the very least on Thursday. Now, before... Before we get to the Newcastle Casino top five stories of the day, Josh, at the bottom of this hour, I'm writing it down, 1030. We must get more in-depth on defensive guys that we're looking forward to seeing on Thursday. Gotcha. Love it. 10, oh, sorry. (laughs) Not 1035. Already missed it. 1135. In the meantime, hour three is brought to you by Mop and Roofing. They've got you covered, Oklahoma. Locally owned and operated and fully insured, licensed, and bonded. Mop and Roofing is serving all of Oklahoma and has been in business for over 35 years. 703-3843. That's 405-703-3843. It is time for the top five stories of the day. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. All right, Newcastle Casino, best reels in the metro. Happy hour Monday through Friday from 3 to 6. Conveniently located off I-44 and exit 107. Let's get after it. Big story number five. Number five. All right, Josh, we spent a, a little bit of time on it today. Nathaniel Hackett fired as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Uh, shocked at all with with this move at this point or no? It was so bad the other night versus the Rams that it almost just makes it to where just, just rip the Band-Aid off now. Just get it done. It, it's clearly a team. That game, I think, indicative of it. They've quit on their quarterback. They've quit on their Terrible. head coach. Terrible. And basically they've quit on the season. And when you've got that going on from professionals playing – I mean, it's look, you don't want that at any level of any sport, but when you're talking about professional athletes, yeah, it's it's time to get somebody new in. Yeah, it was it was time. So that's one of the big stories from the NFL yesterday. Today, another tidbit of breaking news. Josh Helmer, JJ Watt has announced that he is stepping away from football, announcing his retirement at the end of of the 2022 season. So, uh, again, this is a guy that's battled through some injuries, has been through a lot. Uh, I, I don't know 
if necessarily you look at it and say, oh, this guy made the right choice in going to Arizona, but in the end, you know, he's he's eligible for the Hall of Fame in 2028. I would assume he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, but you never know. Sometimes voting nerds get a little bit carried away with it. But what a run, man. What a run for for J.J. Watt and what a career was instrumental in everything around Hurricane Harvey in, in Houston when that happened and had all the the support that was out there, was raising money like crazy. And then, like I said, has battled some injuries late in his career. But, man, I am, I'm a big fan of J.J. Watt. And it still goes back to me to one of my all-time greatest draft misses because I thought that he would have been a – an absolute dud in the NFL, but he's a rock star. And as Field Yates points out, that 2014 season, unbelievable. 20 and a half sacks, 29 tackles for losses. He was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He had three touchdown catches, four forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries, one return for a touchdown. Unbelievable career for one J.J. Watt. One of the greatest defensive players in the history of Period. football. You know, I mean, that's that's really, I can kind of think, the best way to describe J.J. Watt. And you definitely can't look at the last couple of years. If, if you're new to the footballing and you're wondering, like, what is the outrage here? Why is everybody feeling and reacting this way? J.J. Watt, you missed it. It was several years back when this guy was – as good as anybody the National Football League uh, has ever seen in terms of a pass rush perspective, in terms of just a disruptive force up front. Incredible football player, uh, like you said, great humanitarian as well while uh, he was in the National Football League. And he's going to be missed, man. You you have stars like this, uh, you, you miss them when they move on, but obviously wish him the best in his life and in his future. Do you see J.J. Watt as being a TV analyst? Oh, I think he absolutely could be. I think he could be if he wanted to. But who knows? Maybe it's a situation for him where he just wants to ride off into the sunset and spend a little family time. But J.J. Watt announcing his retirement today. All right, big story number four. Number four. Now, I don't know how in-depth you want to go on this, Josh, but I'm counting on you to help me better understand this, this beef that is developed between one, I almost said Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar is having a problem with Serge Ibaka. Do they need syrup sandwiches and crime allowances? No, no. I guess I, Kendrick Perkins' job is to talk gas. All right? They basically put him on every single NBA show, and he's pretty much there to talk trash. He's the fine bomb for the NBA. Exactly. <laughs> for I ESPN. Mean, it's, it, and and I, I won't lie to you, whenever he tweets anything, I find myself getting all lost in the comments because he. I've never seen anyone get dumped on more universally than Kendrick <laughs> Perkins does. Dunked on, I guess I should say. And, yeah, I know, I know. We probably should be talking more about the Thunder and less about kind of this BS around him. But – with OKC hosting the Spurs tonight, I don't know what to – it's like they're feuding over something that now Kendrick Perkins is trying to say that it was a joke, but Perkins was laying out the stakes facing the Boston Celtics, 
and compared it to the experience playing with the Thunder. He pointed out that he believed the Thunder would eventually get a title after losing in the 2012 NBA Finals, but that the team never made it back. Apparently, he said something very weird about Serge Ibaka. Well, he basically called him an old man, right? Yeah, he, well, he basically went to the stereotype that got popularized however many years back, right? I forget who said it or how it happened, but basically the idea from some was that Serge Ibaka was older than his reported age when he joined Correct. the NBA. To which Serge Ibaka basically took as uh, a cultural misappropriation, right? That... Uh, that this is common. Mm. Mm. Boy, Serge Ibaka went on a little bit of a rant. Oh, he destroyed him. It was awesome. Wow. Um, although I'm disappointed, I'm not surprised to see these actions from someone who got his job by breaking the locker room code and by spreading lies about two of his former teammates and brothers. When KD had a bad game, you criticized him behind his back. And when Russ had a bad game, you criticized him. You were not a locker room leader, and then you continued doing the same in the media. Damn. Now, I will say this. Kendrick Perkins has decided to go with the IDGAF mindset in the media to where basically he's kind of taken a blowtorch to a lot of those bridges, but whatever works for him. It was kind of interesting, though, See how many people would take whatever Kendrick Perkins said as gospel. And then all of a sudden you start, yeah, yeah, see, he's telling you the truth about KD. He's the guy. And then all of a sudden you see Serge saying, no, he would talk trash about all the guys behind their backs. Oh. It's still wild to think that Serge Ibaka was younger than Russ and Kevin Durant, though. I mean, you're right. It's, it's a cheap shot. But to think that he was 21 during that run, Josh, 21. Yeah, that's insanity. It uh, does put into perspective too. With I don't, you can't even really call it infighting anymore because it's so sure. far removed from these guys being members of the Thunder. But former teammates that clearly are at at, at odds with one another, and <laughs> seemingly Serge didn't like Perk a whole lot from nope. dating back to those days. With you know, I'm deducing that from those comments. It all of which makes the eventual documentary or tell-all, oh, man, it's just getting better about why did this franchise, why did this team, the ifs and buts that land, uh, you know, led this team to not win a title. Why did it not happen, right? The, you know, via injury and the trade of Harden, all the happenings that go into that team, the rise, getting to the finals, winning the first game, and then losing the next four and never getting mm-hmm. back. It's it is going to be fascinating when that documentary gets made because it's happening at some point. Uh, it's just a matter of will those guys be open enough like Serge Ibaka was in that moment. Sure. Just Here's my only request whenever that 30 for 30 or, I don't know, HBO special or whatever is made, can we not have Bill Simmons produce it? Just That's all I ask. I mean, I just – anyone but him. And it's not anything anti-Bill. It's just literally he, there has not been a person more anti-Oklahoma City than Bill Simmons. I don't need – like the Triple X Tenacion, Tenacion, whatever, was actually co-produced by Bill Simmons, which, which blew my mind whenever I was watching that the other day. I don't need a co-produced credit on the Oklahoma City Thunder documentary to Bill Simmons. I'll agree. Deal. 
Uh, Thunder in action tonight, 7 o'clock against the Spurs. All right, big story number three. Number three. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the playoffs. The Los Angeles Chargers for the first time in the career of one Justin Herbert. Connett, Herbert under center. Eckler takes the handoff, lowers the shoulder. There we go. Touchdown, Chargers. Austin Eckler for the second time today. Slam that door shut. Your thoughts on Matt Money Smith as a play-by-play guy. Josh, go ahead. Not too bad. <laughs> Not too bad at all. Justin Herbert afterwards. I don't think we've played our best football yet. You know, I think the defense has, has done an incredible job these past couple of weeks. Um, I think offensively we can be better. Um, you know, we, we can limit turnovers, and that starts with me. We can, you know, limit penalties, uh, just being able to convert on third down and things like that. But uh, we're definitely going to be watching the film after this one and, and learn from it. Mm. Okay. I will say, 20-3, to they pretty much dominated the Colts. Whatever Jeff Saturday saw in practice that led him to believe Nick Foles should start this game make me question everything about his ability to not only evaluate talent, not only coach, but I don't think I want that guy's perspective on ESPN anymore. I think I'd say, I'm good, I'm good. I think think you're good. You can go ahead and watch the games from the suite from here on out. But that was ugly last night, and what's the old saying? They make jokes, so-and-so – walked or so-and-so crawled so this person can run (laughs) right right uh the colts and chargers crawled so the Bengals and bills could run which is our football game next monday night and i'm here for it i think that's gonna oh it's gonna be do you have a really interest in that oh yeah i mean obviously i want the the Bengals to win because if kansas city wins out and the Bengals win they're the number one seed I don't want to turn this into Raider talk, but at 11-17 on the home of Sooner fans, welcome to what, – what did we decide we were going to call our AFC West podcast, Josh? Best in the West. Best in the West. Which I don't know why we still don't do that. I, I mean, anymore, I mean, we'd probably be millionaires. So, last night, I went to one of my favorite restaurants in Norman, and – as I was going to, uh, with my eight-year-old daughter who loves golden tea, as I was going back to play with her on, on golden tea, I got stopped because I was wearing my Raider hoodie. Guy looks and goes, you a Raiders fan? Yes, sir. He goes, that was painful on Saturday. My whole life has been pain, man. I've been a Raiders fan, and we, we got into a conversation, and it was awesome. It was It was awesome. And... I think we both came to a conclusion that not many people agree with. Derek Carr isn't the problem with the Raiders. It's not. Now, he's not playing great these last few weeks. In fact, I would argue that it's probably been one of the worst stretch of games that he's had since year one under John Gruden when, shocking, he was learning a new offense. But I've had to come to a, a realization, a revelation, I'm not going to lie. I try not to get too attached to athletes. You might notice that in my ability to turn on Baker Mayfield whenever he played against the Raiders a couple weeks ago. (laughs) It's magical. But, Josh, I don't know why. I haven't really been able to to, to explain it. And in the end, he, he hasn't had a massive amount of success, right? But I, I will support Derek Carr like a Chiefs fan should support Patrick Mahomes. I will support Derek Carr like a Bills fan should support Josh Allen. You would think 
with the way that I talk about Derek Carr, Josh, he's won 15 playoff games and the Raiders have hosted the AFC championship game. But I kind of get the level of suck that this franchise has been. And I bring all this up because what time is it? At 11:19, big story number 3 at uh the 27th day of December, I think Derek Carr's taking his last snap as a Raider. I don't think they're going to play in the last few weeks. Really? And you think they're moving on? I think they're moving on. Yeah. Well, and I I would this is not to try and pick a little on-air fight here, but I <laughs> I do disagree with you a little bit that a couple of those early interceptions I do think were Derek Carr's fault behind the receiver, not where it needed to be, mm. but neither here nor there, right? I, mm. I, I think Got to make uh, that catch if you're an NFL wide receiver, I-M-H-O. No, and that's fair, too. And, and you know, I'm not going to argue up and down with you. Oh, I will. Um, I, I know you will. Understand. I completely understand. It, it's time to move on, though. The, the ceiling has been reached. Maybe it is. But here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Their car is going to go somewhere else and ball out. And uh, I don't know that Josh McDaniels is going to do something smart at quarterback. I would assume it would be begging Tom Brady to come there or to try to go get Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody that you feel knows your offense. I just – and here's why they're not going to play him. Because Carr's got like a team option – after this year, which is wild that it's in his contract. He has a no-trade clause, a team option for uh, to, to basically drop him, to cut him, and say, hey, listen, this, this contract is not guaranteed. And it's two weeks after the Super Bowl. So either A, there's a trade agreement that's reached pretty quickly, or B, I can't see them just cutting bait and moving on from him. But I will add, the reason he won't play the final two weeks of the season is because there's an injury clause in there. And... If, if he gets hurt or if he's injured in these final three games, then his contract is it's fully guaranteed. So uh, I'm heartbroken. I think it sucks. And I wish that he had had more success. But in the end, I got to start preparing for Derek Carr to not be a Raider. And even though he has a no-trade clause in his deal, players can typically use that to get traded where they want to go. And if he were to get hurt in one of the Raiders' final two games, then his $32 million contract next year and his $7 million contract uh, and $7 million of his 2024 contract become fully guaranteed. So that's it. That's it for Derek Carr. Now, if he somehow plays this weekend against San Francisco, which would be shocking Because, I mean, with San Francisco's pass rush and the ineffectiveness of the Raiders' offensive line, you're literally signing up for Derek Carr to get hurt. But here we are, the end of an era, and I'm not handling it very well, Josh Hellman. And it is time to tank for Caleb Williams if you're the Raiders. I don't know if Josh McDaniels will be given that kind of time. I mean, if if you go to Mark... Davis and you I mean you're now let's see the Raiders moved to Vegas in 2020 last year was their first year with fans in the stands 2022 you've you've had consistent takeovers right teams I'm waiting you see the Niners fans that'll be there on Sunday I don't know if they can I mean I wouldn't mind it right 
for either him or Drake May, but I don't know if Josh McDaniels is going to get that kind of time. This has been Best in the West. You're on the Plank Show. Yes. Just a note. And that probably guarantees a Niners win Sunday and even more of a guarantee than the Chiefs win, uh, need for a dub a week from Sunday as well. All right, um, big story number two. Number two. All right, big story number two. A lot of bowl games coming up today. And as, as a matter of fact, this afternoon. So if you're off on this uh, Tuesday, you can enjoy the Camellia, Camellia Bowl? Camellia Bowl? Anyway, it's Georgia Southern and Buffalo. You couldn't care less about this unless it was kicking off at 11 a.m. Central time like it did. Scoreless with 6.57 to go in the first quarter between Georgia Southern and Buffalo. Later on this afternoon, the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl, Utah State and Memphis. That's at 2.15 in Dallas on ESPN. Coastal Carolina and East Carolina. Josh, this is big for a bowl entry. 5.45 this afternoon. This is the... Ticket smarter Birmingham Bowl. We have a lot of our we have a lot of our balls in the there's an out of context. We have a lot of our chips on East Carolina in the bowl. We do. Yeah, yeah. They're they're the third highest point value we've given a bowl winner. We already hit Houston. Washington is number two, and East Carolina is number three. We're big on purple. So, 5.45 this evening, Coastal Carolina and East Carolina. And then, Josh, tonight at 9 o'clock, Wisconsin and Oklahoma State. In the all of our quarterbacks are in the transfer portal bowl. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this as we put a wrap on the show. But are you in on the guaranteed rate bowl tonight? Is it going to be check-in every now and then on ESPN? Is it I'm required to watch it because it's my job? Where does it fall kind of on the important scale for you? Uh, I'm in. I, I, I'm in. I don't, I don't know that uh, I'm wildly, wildly excited for it outside of you get a chance to watch Oklahoma State and Wisconsin, a couple of Power 5 teams, one that uh, obviously you've, you've got the tie-in here locally. So, And there's something about not having either starting quarterback that makes the game sort of intriguing, right? It's, it's <laughs> going to be so bad that it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be so horrible, it'll be worth your time. I like the way you're thinking. Which gets us to big story number one. Wait for it. Wait for it. Number one. Number one. Number one. 5808, by the way, just tweeted. He said, I'm guessing car to Indy or Washington. Depending on what Indy does at head coach. Did I say at head coach? With their head coach? Bro, Derek Carr in a dome, I think it would be pretty good. I think that would be a good fit for Indy. I really do. Washington, dude, in the elements. Did you guys see him on Saturday night? I hope he's back with Vegas, but that's just me. OU Bowl game. Uh, The official travel party is – well, the the team has been there since Christmas. We're on our way tomorrow. We've had a topic of conversation on the show that has been consistent throughout, which is what players are you most intrigued with? Who do you want to see have their – I keep saying the Eric Gray breakout like he did in the Alamo Bowl – uh, Jalil Farouk, Marcus Stripling last year, right? It kind of carried over hope to 23. Am I leaving anyone out in the Alamo Bowl? That uh, Drake had a big Alamo Bowl last year. And, of course, the big news, Drake Stoops is coming back in 2023. Bob announced, Coach Bob Stoops announced that on his YouTube show yesterday. But, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm intrigued to see what some of you people have on the defensive side of football, of the football, of players who you think can have a breakout game or who you'd like to see. 
have a breakout game to ensure confidence heading into 2023. We'll dive into those next. Top five stories today brought to you by Newcastle Casino right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. I, I had to laugh off the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line. I just happened uh, to log back on here to get some of your picks on offensive guys and defensive guys that you're looking forward to in the bowl game. And this was from Vint Brennables, who writes, what's up with Gabriel not saying he's coming back yet? What kind of game is he playing? I don't know that he's playing a game. I just, I don't know if he's still in the decision-making process. You know, I don't know if it's, you know, really trying to do everything you can to stay focused on a bowl game. But I don't know, Josh, I don't, I don't see this as game playing by anyone right now. And hell, maybe he is seeing what, what if he goes out and blows up in the bowl game, throws for like 300 plus yards and, Everyone kind of lose their mind, and they see him doing some of the things that, you know, it catches the eye of a GM or two, then who knows, right? Maybe the NFL is a possibility for him. I don't know. I don't think he's playing a game. I just think they're waiting until they're 100% sure to make a decision or an announcement on it. And, look, he's earned that loyalty, right, from the, from the coaching staff and uh, from his teammates. I think all of these guys – respect their teammates' abilities to make decisions on their own uh, personal or professional futures. And the bottom line for both Gabriel and Mims is you and I can sit here and we can dish and we can talk about, okay, how much is realistically going to change between now and based on what happens in the Cheez-It Bowl for either of those two guys, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe the answer is not a ton, but we also don't know what, Dylan Gabriel's decision-making process is. Here's somebody that has clearly created uh, DG the brand and has kind of had his uh, has kind of already sort of had his mind wrapped around sort of what sure. his financial future looks like, mm-hmm. and we don't know sort of what's going on inside his brain. Maybe he's just ready for the next chapter in his life, and if if sixth round turns into safely a fourth round draft pick, maybe that's enough. For a Dylan Gabriel to say, you know what, I- I'm I'm going ahead and entering the draft. And maybe that's one great performance versus Florida State away. I don't know. I would tend to lean toward probably the opposite. But right. again, I don't claim to have access to Dylan Gabriel's mind and every last bit of information that he's t- trying to process to make this ultimate decision. Yeah, I-, I don't think he's trying to hold anyone at bay. Um, I don't – again, I'm not privy to those conversations between he and Jeff Levy, and I think when you – you know, you, you hit up KRF Sports and you listen to what Jeff Lebby has to say, hit it up on Twitter. I mean, it's it's it really – I'm not trying to blow smoke up your backside, right? I mean, I, I kind of feel sometimes when you can sniff something out, and there's a part of me that does feel a little bit uncomfortable about the fact that there hasn't been an announcement yet from, from Gabriel or from Marvin Mims, but I'd much rather be watching them play in the bowl game and know that like for now, the likelihood is that they're returning as opposed to hear that they're opting out to evaluate their options. And I'm pretty sure both knew Marvin Mims and Dylan Gabriel, and I'm sure their coaches knew that they were going to be asked incessantly about it. And I think they're prepared for it. That said, I sit here fully confident that Dylan Gabriel is going to be back next year. I don't know about Marvin Mims, but I feel a heck of a lot better now 
than I than I did leading into the season. I mean, I was I'm not gonna lie, Josh. I just kind of thought in my mind that we were moving on from Marvin Mims. And that's not an anti-Marvin thing. It's just kind of felt like he would have NFL opportunities. Do you remember looking back at 2023 NFL draft projections before the year started and they had projected Marvin Mims to be a first-round pick of the Raiders and we were kind of having fun with that and the excitement of how few Oklahoma players actually end up playing for the Raiders. And now, you know, if you believe some of the reports out there, apparently the draft grade wasn't nearly as, as solid as he had hoped. And that would lead you to want to come back and make it better. Don't know about Dylan Gabriel. There hasn't been much buzz out there on that front, but I, I don't think this is a game by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, and also, I want to add this. Josh put the depth chart up on Twitter, right? And you can find it. Uh, at Josh on ref, and it's it's what OU has in their game notes. In fact, I hadn't retweeted it yet. Let me go ahead and retweet that now because we've been talking about it, and there's been a lot of people that are kind of freaking out about a few things. Like, oh, man, no Kobe McKenzie or Gavin Sawchuk on here? I, I understand, but, again, these guys are seeing more reps as they count down to the bowl game, so hopefully they're gaining more trust. Hopefully they're getting better. Does that mean that they're going to be gone, or they're not going to factor if we don't see him in a bowl game? No. I, I think Kobe McKenzie might be a guy that in some ways, Josh, they, they, they might be thinking about moving him around a little bit. You know, I, don't, I don't necessarily know, and especially when you see kind of the body types of the, of the linebackers and, and the quote-unquote cheetahs that they're bringing in. Maybe he's a guy that they look at and realize, all right, let's, let's put a little bit more on his body. Let's see what he can do as an edge guy. Let's see what he can do. I, I don't know. But I wouldn't get too upset about Kobe McKenzie. Or what was Gavin Sawchuck? We, we laid out the freshman snaps, and he had the second fewest, right? The only one – or actually, I think he had the fewest. So just because you have these 15 practices, just because it's somebody that we're excited about, just because it's a dude that you assume is going to be out there and, and factor in, doesn't mean he's, he's going to, to get any extra snaps, and he has. Now, I would also add, I would also add that everyone will tell you a depth chart, kind of calm down. It's, it's, it's not really anything to get overly upset or overly fired up about. But I will say this. I'm looking back at the depth chart leading into week one. It was absolutely spot on to a T for a major part of the season. So... There's no magic player on here that wasn't listed on the depth chart and then suddenly showed up and balled out. In fact, maybe, maybe Josh, in, in looking back, the only thing you can say that was kind of surprising is that, you know, th- there was an or next to Tywee Walker and Javante Barnes. And, but for the most part, this was the, the dudes that you saw all season long, including in the secondary including at the cheetah, including at the linebacker positions, all over the offensive line. So I sit here, a little bit of hypocritical, tell you not to get too carried away with it, but if there's one thing that Oklahoma has been consistent on, there hasn't been a lot of surprises based on, based on what they've said they're going to play and who they end up playing. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. There's okay. not been just this – ton of deception from Oklahoma via the released depth charts, which, oh, by the way, 
I can tell you from experience, there's other programs out there that do like to try and play the sure. little deception game with the, the depth chart. We'll see, though. I do think what you said is correct. It's accurate. It's worth pointing out. This is not the gospel. This is not the Oklahoma depth chart Bible. Just because Gavin Sanchuk isn't listed here does not mean that Gavin Sanchuk's not playing in the game. Right or just because somebody's listed here doesn't mean that absolutely definitively they're starting in the game. I think this has been, I think this depth chart has been out for a little bit, so there's room for movement sure. as these bowl practices take place and take shape. Right, so it, it gives us at least a working concept of where we were maybe to start bowl prep for Florida State of what Oklahoma was thinking and injuries. Right. You know, you can see some of the pictures when you overanalyze it, maybe you see a guy in a boot or you see a dude that's getting a few more reps. You can always read into things a little bit, but now yeah, the, the depth chart is interesting for Florida state. I tell you not to get too crazy about it. I mean, Ted roof, when we did our, it was one of my favorite moments when we did one of our first coaches shows, I had the depth chart and, and he, and he, and he grabbed it and he goes, you know what this is? I'm like, depth chart? He goes, it's a piece of paper. I'm like, yeah? And he goes, doesn't matter what's on it. <laughs> and just kind of laid it down. Because we are just – I was kind of asking him a few questions off the air on the depth chart. He had a smile on his face. And so, to me, they don't necessarily get too caught up in, well, this is the guy that's won on the depth chart. But, but, to completely and totally take that other side of it, they've been pretty consistent in who you've seen this year. Now, when we come back, defensive guys we're looking forward to, more of your great tests – text we're counting down to a trip to orlando the plank show will be live from the cheese bowl on thursday getting you ready for ou in florida state right here on the home of sooner fans a couple of quick texts on this topic about who you're most looking forward to uh 501 writes i'd like to see kobe mckenzie get some run bb said he has concrete in his helmet well let's see him lay the wood you know what i'll say i'm with you i'm with you i I don't think you will see a ton, but I do think you'll see him out there. Not a ton, but I think we'll get a couple of opportunities. Maybe you'll even see him more in special teams. I think the concern about him is just, hey, making sure he's got the footwork and and everything figured out to be as successful as he can in the Big 12 and the SEC. Concrete in his helmet? Yeah, Brent used that term. He's used that a couple of times. What what does that mean? means that when he hits you, you're going to feel it. I got and, you. Okay, that's that makes sense and, now. And it also means, Josh, that he'll probably find himself kicked out of a lot of games for targeting because if he uses that's, that helmet, it's concrete. That's, well, that's the point I was trying to oh, piece together. Hey, how about that shot that Derwin James delivered last night? I quickly realized how many people just couldn't care less about the concussion issue in the NFL when you saw the reaction to that. Oh, you could throw him out of the game for that? No, I think they threw him out of the game for his own good. Because he had knocked himself out on that laser helmet first shot. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. Um, the 918. I'll be pissed if Sawchuck does not get any reps on Thursday. Well, what if Javante Barnes runs wild, though? Friend, I think you might want to prepare yourself to be a little bit bent on Thursday. Well, what, if, what if Javante Barnes carries 25 times for 250 yards? Couple scores. Then are you okay with, ah, well, it'd be great to see Gavin Sotrick in the future, but at least Javante Barnes ran wild. <laughs> I kind of fall into that trap sometimes, too, to where I'll get excited about a guy that does something well. And 
but on a consistent basis, right? Oh, yeah, 20 carries for 140 yards or whatever, right? Seven yards a carry, that's great. But then there might be a guy that gets two carries for 15, and they're like electric runs. Like, but what about those two carries Samir White had? I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I fall into that trap a lot. Uh, it's 918 writes, we've slept on Marcus Major for the last two bowl games. Keep sleeping on him. Yeah, again, I don't. I just know what the depth chart says. He's listed as the the or behind. Wait, well, hold on. Let me make sure I get this right. He's listed as the or for the starter, right? Yeah, okay. with, with Javante. He's listed as the or. He's the starter for Javante Bar with Javante Barnes. So we'll see. It doesn't appear as if he's been one hundred percent this year, but we'll find out come Thursday. Wichita sooner writes. What if Dylan doesn't return? What's the plan? Better be ready, Jackson Arnold. Let's go. Um, I would think that you would see Oklahoma. If if Dylan Gabriel decides to, to move on, it'd be kind of tough in the process, but there's still a few names out there. You know, Spencer Sanders hasn't committed anywhere yet. Auburn seems to be very high on the list. Wouldn't that be fascinating if Spencer Sanders was at Oklahoma? But, again, I, I don't know. I don't know that Oklahoma even thinks that way. I think they're of the opinion that Dylan Gabriel's their quarterback in 23. Don't you? Wouldn't we have seen a little bit more activity if there was concerns that he was going to be gone? Yes. And, you know, the the transfer portal with quarterbacks, sure, there could be another name that pops up before this carousel's all said and done. But generally speaking, mm-hmm. a lot of it's happening right now or right now. has already happened. Right. So for Oklahoma to be inactive in that regard – makes you feel like there has to have been some level of assurances given or some confidence from Oklahoma that, okay, he, he will be back. But haven't heard that, right? Haven't got that. Speaking of concrete, that's not concrete for Oklahoma. <laughs> from the 785, talking about guys you're looking forward to seeing on Thursday, Jaron Kanick is or was and is physically ready to play Big 12 SEC football. But I really think the lack of defensive snaps in high school set him back. Excited to see him in there on Thursday. Uh, for the 918, we need someone on the defensive line to be a star. Reggie Grimes, uh, Jonah Laula, or R. Mason Thomas. By the way, when he said Thomas, in my mind, I was like, Isaiah Thomas? And then here's one that's a little – A.T. from B.A., uh, that's a 918, right? Reggie Grimes was large in the first three games and largely absent the rest of the way. Would love to see him have a huge bowl game. I think he falls in that category of guys that haven't been 100% healthy for the uh, latter part of the season. And I think it's an injury that's kind of affected his technique. So we'll see if maybe he's 100% heading into the bowl game. Probably not. And I kind of like the way the 6-2-0 is handling things here. Guys, I'm excited to watch. Grayson Holton and Kenai Walker. I'll say this. I don't know if there is some sort of message board bubbling or, I don't know, pay board somewhere. But I hear more people talking up Kenai Walker when I haven't seen him step on the field. It's almost up there with Jaron Canick in some instances, but we'll see. I mean, you start looking at that position now, Josh Helmer, had that cornerback spot. And there's not a lot of depth there. He's currently listed right behind Woody Washington at one corner where C.J. Colton is behind Jaden Davis at the other. I think Canick's going to 
I think he's going to have a fun game. Can I throw one more name I'm looking for? Please. Kip Lewis. Yeah, he's, feel, he's right there, too. I feel like he's a guy that, you know, of all the names that you're mad that you don't, where's Gavin Sawchuk on the depth chart? Where's Kobe McKenzie? Where's this? Why isn't so-and-so on there? Why is Josh Ellison still on there when he's in the transfer portal? To me, seeing Kip Lewis on the depth chart, that's exciting. And I know that they've been very much cognizant of his red shirt and not wanting to burn it. And now let's see how he handles getting unleashed in this bowl game. We'll put a wrap on this edition of the Plank Show next, right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Uh, I hate that I'm bailing on you tomorrow, but I'm sure you'll revel in the fact that knowing I'll be biting every nail that I have left and panicking. Yeah, I think what I'm most looking forward to is either, well, either tomorrow or Friday. Folks, you can expect breaking news because anytime Plank's gone, I know something happens. Something always happens. You know what we didn't get to that I really wanted to talk about today? Man, I know I'm getting soft. I know I'm soft. And I fall for things all the time. But this San Francisco Chronicle opinion piece, I think I saw this from Okino on Twitter last night. Here's a headline for you, Josh. The Rose Bowl is dead. Killed by our winner-take-all culture. Humanity may be up next. Now, I don't doubt that humanity's kind of screwed. But you all can make fun of me all you want. But is there a more melodramatic person than Joe Matthews? Dude. What? If you ever wanted a headline that magnified the arrogance of the Rose Bowl. There you have it. I mean, there it is. <laughs> Which, I don't know that humanity was in all that great shape when the Rose Bowl was in its heyday either, by the way. Oh, my goodness. That is the most arrogant thing I've ever seen in our life. The Rose Bowl is <laughs> is losing its January 1st sunset. And guess what? Humanity is next. I can make an argument that humanity might have just been saved. I think right. Exactly. Let's, uh, Joe, Joe, we're going to move the, the, the Rose Bowl back to save all of mankind. All right, uh, Steel Man and Thune at noon are next. Josh, thank you. Uh, Have a great rest of your Wednesday. I'll see you guys, or Tuesday, excuse me. I'll see you guys on Thursday, live from Orlando, right here on the Home of Sooner Fan.